The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hello, hello, all you beautiful BBW barrier breaking women. It's your girl, AJ Andrews. And you guys know how I love the women I'm around. I love them BBW barrier breaking. And I am so excited for this next episode and to talk with this guest as she is someone that is truly breaking barriers as we all are on this podcast, but she's doing it with so much pride, so much joy for her culture and her heritage. Before we get into my next guest, I want to talk about my mellow win for this week. You already know winning in my melanin, how I did it. And yes, I'm going to be just honest with you this week. Your girl looks good. Okay. With a T. Good. All right. I have been feeling myself lately. Got myself a new hairdo. My curls are popping. I am rocking the bayang, the bayang. And I just feel good. I'm waking up in the morning saying my affirmations and telling myself that I am a beautiful black woman. My hair, how big it is, how curly it is, the pride, the joy. I love it. I have not straightened my hair in probably three months going on now. And I am in love with the volume and everything that my hair is doing for me. And it is giving me confidence that I promise no one is going to be able to contain. It's getting a little dangerous, but I feel like we should all love ourselves that much and have that much confidence because we are all queens. We are all stars. And I'm telling myself that every single day and I'm waking up every day this week and I've been waking up and feeling very queenly. So that is my mellow win for this week. Just looking good, feeling good. And once I get back on the field, I will begin to play good too as well. But just feeling good. Winning in my melanin, literally queen stuff only. And speaking of a queen winning in her melanin, my next guest is Janae Casnavoid who is an Olympic hopeful hammer thrower. She is a beautiful, beautiful Native American athlete that is representing for her culture and is so proud to continue to do so on her way to hopefully being an Olympian. I am so excited for you guys to hear this next episode and hear about how she is representing, how important representation is to her and how she's going to be moving forward in the Olympics making sure that you guys all know who she is and her native culture. Excited for you to listen to this next episode of BBW. All right, all right, all my BBW barrier-breaking women. I am back with another episode, another amazing barrier-breaking woman, Janae Castavoid, who is the Big 12 Conference Hammer Throw Champion a Team USA Olympic hopeful, and also an inspire, aspiring registered dietitian and chef. Janae, rocking that USA shirt and the amazing native flag in the back. How are you doing today, girl? I'm doing good. I just finished up a training session and excited to connect with you and get to share some of my amazing experiences in Hammer. So doing good. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, first of all, <laughs> The first time I got to see you was on your viral TikTok. 
And that which had like 13 million views. And I'm like, she's in my backyard. Like I'm literally, I literally was watching the TikTok, you know, bad on me, watching the TikTok as I'm like driving to my practice over across the stadium. I'm like, oh my God, the girl's right there. I'm like, I almost wanted to like, I knew you probably weren't there anymore, but I was like, I just want to go turn in and watch her practice. But no, that was so amazing to see. So, so amazing to see you here getting a chance to talk with you. And yeah, I'm excited to get, get going. I want to ask you first, Janae, from all of the craziness when it comes to being an athlete, our crazy schedules, moving and grooving, we never really take the time to appreciate or celebrate the little things, the little wins that we complete each and every day. So I want to ask you, what is your Mella win for this week? Today was a little rocky. It was Monday, the start of the week, and we just came off a competition. So I would say today, just showing up and approaching the Monday. And even though it was hard, we got through training really good and had some pairs in the weight room. So I'll take that as a win, even though my body was not in the, in the mood, (laughs) we really went out there and got after it regardless. So that was exciting. Getting stronger. Yes. You know what I think is so funny, especially as athletes, we're just like, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I did it. You know, I did what I had to do, but we really don't realize the mental strength and toughness it takes when our body is just like, today is not the day to motivate ourselves to get going and not just to start, but to literally give it all that we had. So while you're speaking on it, you may think it sounds small, but that's your mellow win, girl. You're winning and you're melanin. <laughs> You got your Monday going and you're motivated. Not, I promise, not everybody can do that. <laughs> From moving and grooving, getting that mellow win this Monday and training, how good do you feel? I feel good. And then now I'm done for the day and I can say like, I did it. It's over with. Just now I can rest and then prepare for tomorrow when tomorrow comes. But we got it done. So I'm excited. And it's meet week this week. So looking forward to that. As an athlete on the go, I want to get up in your business. Let's do it. You look like you just got ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Preparing yourself. Okay. Do you have a power song that gets you hype before a meet? A couple, but I feel like my my go-to is My Time by Fabulous. It really just expresses like your grind, your work, and it's like, it's your time to shine. It's all about like you and like, you know, you're going to go crazy. You're going to have fun. And it's just like, it's a really uplifting song. And it's like, forget about yesterday. We're about today. And then just go crazy. So that's probably, it's been that song since like high school. So Ooh. the old one, I don't know if most people know it, but just the lyrics are pretty perfect for me and like my, my grind and my journey. So that's a good one. Sometimes if it's a song, I don't know if everyone knows, I ask you to sing like your, your favorite line, your favorite part from that song. What what line just gets you going? You know how like you miss it and it's like, I got to rewind to that part, that part for you. Just the, the intro is the best part. It's like, go hard today. Can't worry about the past because that was yesterday because I'm on my grind. It's my time. <laughs> gets the blood really flowing yeah that feels like a really good like walking out of the tunnel yeah we need a walk-up song like softball (laughs) yes uh, you do you do every time you just step up okay well I'm gonna find videos of you I'm gonna put like a (laughs) compilation together and have that song in the background perfect what would you say is your hack as an athlete that allows you to just get things done my personal work ethic has been like the 
whole thing that's kept me going as a professional. A lot of people don't know track and field athletes either train on their own or train without a coach. And that's the most important thing is it's hard when you're out there by yourself. It's hard when like no one's there to support you or push you in that moment. So when you have those bad days where you're just feeling like sluggish or, or lazy, my work ethic, dedication, motivation has really just like pushed me through and allowed me to stay where I'm at. Like when I don't have a coach around or if he's traveling with the team during COVID, we could FaceTime maybe a couple of sessions, but really just putting things to work on my own and figuring it out and getting through practices with just the knowledge that I know. So that's been like the biggest thing is being a student of the sport and learning on my own rather than just being told what to do, like every single throw, every single practice. So that's huge pat on the back for me, but I know a lot of people go through it. And that's one of the biggest hurdles as being a track and field athlete alone. So becoming a student of the game. I think that that is so interesting because you essentially what you're saying is you have to be your own coach when you're not able to have your coach around. How are you able to form that? Like, What do you look for? How do you coach yourself in order to stay motivated and stay moving forward? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me when, you know, coach, either if I redshirted during collegiate eligibility or he was just gone traveling or I just had to move back home for COVID, as I said, like we would work on cues, certain cues for every throw, whether it was the entry or second turn or having connection or tension. I would just focus solely on that and try and hit that. And once I did that, I would accomplish the next thing. And that's really just trying to get that consistency of throws in practice when you're doing 30 throws, you try not to just rush through. And if it's a bad practice, a bad practice, I really harp on like trying to get it right every time so that my bad level goes up more and then I build a consistent base. And so just like reiterating those feelings and movements, every practice is really just like a cue that I work on if he's not around or something that didn't work last week, but worked a couple weeks before just going back to those motions and techniques and figuring out what's going to work that practice because I'm not going to like be satisfied on just a bad practice. So yeah, it's really important. I think what you just said kind of goes down to what I try to tell kids every time that I work with them. Do not, you don't, in softball, we always say this term, end on a good one, end on a good one. You know, when you're taking however many hacks a day, but in my opinion, it should think more about don't do it until you get it right. Do it till you can't get it wrong. And it sounds like that is your mentality that you, you take to the, to the field every time you go out there to throw. Yeah, that's really important because it's just the more you do that, I feel like the less bad practices you're going to have and the less that's going to like take a toll on like your mental of just, oh, I didn't get it today. And you're just going to be more happy during training sessions when you just kind of get better and better and your low levels, not as as low anymore. <laughs> yes. And I don't know about you, but if I'm ever frustrated in a practice, I might as well just go home. <laughs> like, right, it's just right. going to keep getting worse. Right. And there's like, thankfully, there's never been a practice where I've just like walked away or me and coach get frustrated. And he's like, you know, just get out of here because I'm either not trying or something. It's always like we're button heads because he's frustrated that I'm frustrated that I can't figure it out. And I'm just like, just don't talk to me. I'm going to get it. I promise you. But I just I got to figure it out on my own. (laughs) So that's what we really just butt heads the most about is like, can't figure it out. And so but it's fine. We we work through it. Heck yeah, girl. You are a pro for a reason. Look at you. And the champion, Big 12 champion. Not not everybody gets to say that, Janae. Not everyone gets to just throw that around. Yeah. Do you have any meat day rituals or superstitions? Not really. I've never really been big on, on that. Like my most important thing that I make sure I get every 
competition day or before meat is just a good breakfast and then making sure I have snacks and like water, get a good night's rest. Those kind of things are most important to me, but it's never like, I know a lot of people, a couple of the people I try to they're like, my fingers have to be pink. I have to wear the same socks every time I compete and wear my hair the same. And to me, it's just kind of how I'm feeling. Um, but I don't have any specific, I have to do this every single time. Uh, I said, I did that once and it failed. So I was like, okay, I don't believe it. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, as long as I eat a good breakfast and, and go to the bathroom before I, I throw, I'll be fine. <laughs> Uh-oh, let's unpack that. What if you don't go to the bathroom before? <laughs> I have to what go to the happened? <laughs> no. <laughs> You've never, like, had the feeling, like, the urge to pee. I guess maybe in oh, softball, always. you have to go to the, like, you could probably break away and go to the bathroom. But I feel like throwing and having to pee your pants is not a good combo. <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. Especially because you, you're exerting so much energy and you're so powerful I imagine like you know I mean we're getting really off topic here but like just throwing it and like releasing yeah Yeah. (laughs) that like everything would release all at once (laughs) so like having to be I guess is good like nervous energy but I always go to the bathroom before the competition and then just six throws in we usually have to go to the bathroom again but that's fine just all the nerves (laughs) gosh well Jay speaking of you know not or maybe peeing your pants what is your most embarrassing moment that you've had being an athlete? And what did it teach you? I would probably just say all the fails I've had, but to, <laughs> me, it's, to me, it's not embarrassing because it I happens about once a week. And a lot of like my viral videos or things on Instagram that I post, it's just crazy. The amount of things that I went through throwing hammer that I would have never guessed. Like I've hit in trucks, cable lines. I've like almost smacked my face on the concrete, like Hammers have almost came back and hit me in the face. Like it's so crazy, and I I understand that how dangerous it is. But to me, I'm so used to it. And other people around, other people training with me, like they know the safety and they know to always watch and pay attention. And people just think we're out here being like so unsafe, and it's a dangerous event. But yeah, I I fell in this past competition at LSU, my last throw, and I was like, I'm I'm a pro at this, but I fall too, and like. So it happens and it's like embarrassing in the moment, but it's fine. Just walk it off and <laughs> back to practice on Monday. So walk but out. Yeah. One of my favorite things even someone said to me, kind of like embarrassment is a choice. You know what I mean? All these things happen, but you can either be embarrassed or to what your point, right? Learn from it and just walk it off the next one keep moving forward. And I think that, I think that's really cool how you view your quote unquote embarrassments more so mm-hmm. as just the things that you did not succeed the way you wanted to. It was not really, yeah. I mean, it was like almost just like personal, right? It's just like this personal yeah. embarrassment of, I know I can do better. So I think that that <laughs> is amazing. And I hundred percent relate to that where on the field, I'm not so much embarrassed that other people saw what I did. It's kind of like my inner self-talk is like, AJ, now come on, really? You know, yeah. like, you, you know, you could have done better. What, what was that? Like myself is talking to myself and is a little embarrassed. So I love how you say how that's for you, something you're able to get over. Mm -hmm. I would love to pivot a little bit because Janae, you are a beautiful native American athlete and you are a member of the Comanche tribe. Yes. And you are someone that is so proud and you showcase that on your Instagram and you speak to it. And I find that absolutely amazing on a hundred percent one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast so I want to ask you 
when was the first time that you really fell in love with your skin and who you are? I would say probably not until I got into college and realized there is a whole community. There's a whole culture. There's people all over the world in the United States, like right next to me. And I think when I got out of the small town I lived in and like went to college in another state and like experienced so much culture, inclusion and diversity, and then even being in athletics, meeting so many people and like them being from another culture and, and being put into people that are maybe small minded or just used to being around the same people. And for me, it was it was seeing that and then just noticing the love and like social media people that are also native and that just to me, I didn't get to experience the culture growing up and then being the platform that I was and just being more comfortable. I really, until probably even maybe like three years ago, my junior, senior year of college is when I really just like owned it and vocalized it and expressed it and let people know. Cause I assume people knew that I was native, but maybe they just never knew. And I always got asked time and time again, like, what are you or where are you from? Or like, what's your ethnicity? And I was just like, do people not know we exist anymore? It's always something that's like, are you mixed? Or are you Oriental or Mexican or Hawaiian? And I was like, no, I'm native. And that just like was so mind blowing to me that no one could ever like guess essentially what my ethnicity was. And so from those experiences building up, I just represented it more and was super proud of that. And I, I still learn a part of my culture and connect with others just to learn more. So yeah, pretty recent actually. And I, I want to get more involved with people in the communities and things like that, but I just got to figure out the time and to connect with those groups. So yeah. <laughs> I think that honestly, your ability to, once you get into college, how you learn so much more about yourself, right? And learn what was really important to you. When you hear individuals asking you, what are you? And the realization of how native is never one of the things that people say or ask if that is what you are. How did that make you feel? You know, it sounds to me like it was kind of a a revelation for you. It would make me um, like be frustrated or mad I guess education systems weren't teaching people the correct history and the correct proper terms about Native Americans and like celebrating Thanksgiving or Columbus Day, like all of these wrong representations of who we are and what we've been through. Just kind of those experiences and people saying, oh, like, I don't know if it's bad or like, I just want to say you look like Pocahontas, you're so beautiful. And while I can't agree that Pocahontas in the Disney movie is beautiful, yes, but it's kind of unfortunate that that is the only representation of Native American people that they know. And even though Pocahontas in the Disney movie is not the correct representation of that storyline, it's just kind of unfortunate that that is what most people know as Native Americans and, and who we are and what we look like. So we're all learning, I'm learning, and I hope that I can like kind of just spread the word and spread positivity about who I am and what we represent. Well, I think Everything that you've been doing on your social is huge and it's paramount because I agree, it's completely unfortunate to where it's 100% potentially an issue with just the media or just outlets not speaking to it. But I have yet to come across someone who is Native, who is showcasing so much pride as being in in a sport. And to me, it was so powerful to see because 
I knew, especially from this past year, what me speaking on certain issues, how that impacted some people I had never would have known it impacted. And I can only imagine you using your voice and your representation. What do you feel like your representation and you being this voice, the impact it is having on the Native community, especially athletes? Just that they have not even someone to look up to, but that there is someone there you know, showcasing where I come from and who I am and like strength, resiliency, and like that it is possible. And granted, I didn't grow up on a reservation or in a a community with my family of natives. I just, you know, I grew up in a small town. (laughs) I was one of maybe like five families that brought in diversity. And and that was, it was different for me because I even felt like an outsider when I didn't know my own culture, but I just feel like I, I want to represent our culture as something positive and hope that youth can look up to me and that I can, you know, learn from everyone. Like, I don't, I don't know everything on Native Americans. I don't speak the language, but I do like appreciate it and recognize it. And I just want want to learn so much. And if anyone like wants to connect and if I could do a youth foundation or camps, like that's really huge for me, um, just to kind of give back to people and learn from people too. So. Absolutely. Amazing. From your journey to being this elite, absolutely amazing, Olympic hopeful hammer thrower, did you ever face any discrimination because you were Native or because of the color of your skin when you were first getting into the sport or just over the years as you become a pro athlete? I haven't specifically. There wasn't any time or experience in college or in training or in the work when I worked part-time or in competitions, there wasn't a moment where I ever felt discriminated. It was just mostly people wondering like, well, what are you or what's your ethnicity or the Pocahontas reference? Like that's basically all I've experienced or other times just not being classified as white or black and like people forgetting like the minorities are just as important too. And like we do with our own racism and like inclusion and things like that, but that's more or less my experiences or asking on like what's my opinion when any like social movement and things like that happen and I like voice my opinion and it's a hard topic when like essentially my group is left out in a sense so it's just like black and white black and white and like yes I agree all of that is 100% important but then when there's like things like the pipeline and things like that I feel like it's just not seen as as important if it's something where I can speak on to get it and to her, definitely 100%, I would. So just, I think things like that, like minorities and things like that are just as important as big movements going on right now, but nothing personally experience-wise has came towards me. What are some things that you feel very passionate about that you don't believe are being talked about enough? Probably just, that's probably the most like worldwide thing at the moment or in the U.S. is just the pipeline within the past couple years and I'm still learning from it. So I haven't like spoke on it on like social media or anything, but just seeing those things and how natives are being affected by their, their land, their lives and everything like that. Just going back to history and how things, all of that good stuff. (laughs) But um, yeah, just kind of speaking on that, but everything is just as important. And so I feel like just being knowledgeable of it and understanding what's going on in the world is just important for everyone. Yeah. One of the most important things is you don't know what you don't know, right? Until someone kind of brings it to your attention, it's hard to be able to, one, know what's happening, and then two, understand. Or then three, see how you can help. So I think, again, you being able to use your voice and being this very breaking woman that you are, 
I just thank you for all that you are doing and the representation that you are showcasing. Thank you. Of course, girl. Of course. (laughs) I, you know, I think also when I spoke to a little bit about, you know, it's hard to, or I personally just feel like I haven't seen it. it could just be to my own ignorance. It could just be to the media, but when it comes to Native Americans in sport, I know there's the Indian sports and it's number one online Native American sports news. And I think that those type of outlets are so important to getting those stories out because it's almost like how else would we know what's taking place? Do you feel like Native American athletes are not being celebrated enough or talked about enough with their successes and achievements? I would say I've only learned through social media outlets about Native American, like huge historical Native American athletes. Jim Thorpe being one is on the track side an Olympian and his story is actually really incredible dealing with racism, like in the Olympic village and like being attacked or his shoes being taken. Like he competed in one with shoes that didn't fit him and things like that. And that's like super huge, but honestly, that's probably the only person I can name that was like a really huge, amazing athlete. And of course I would like to be someone to go down in history and that I'm very well known and very successful, but Other than that, there's like Indian country Instagrams and Indian sports outlets that kind of I would be updated by other athletes in the U.S. in all types of sports. And then I know like Kyrie Irving is a huge representation of Native Americans, too, with the N7 brand with Nike being like an ambassador. Those those people are pretty huge influencers in sports and being Native American. And that's something like I would like to be a part of one day if the opportunity presented just another way to represent the Native community. But I think, and I mean, once you make it big, then there's more opportunity to be recognized. But I think they do a good job from, from what I see. They share a lot of my stuff and share a lot of professional athletes and those people in high school to really get them out there to the, to the world of sports. So Amazing. Well, thank you for giving me some more pages to follow, to see everything that one, because I want you to get all that acknowledgement. I need to see more of the amazing things that you're doing, but also the other amazing Native American athletes that are in the U.S. Today, I want to ask you, in this world where we kind of accept the it is what it is mindset, all of us barrier breaking women are changing the narrative from it is what it is to it is what I make it. What is one moment when someone doubted you and or told you what you could or could not do and you proved them wrong? There hasn't been an exact moment, but I think just throughout the years, I would say I proved myself wrong more than anyone because when I do things, it's more about like, is it realistic? Is it possible to me for me to move forward? And even continuing this professional journey was super hard for me to commit to because in the world of track and field, there's no financial support. Being a professional track athlete is is not as glamorous as it seems for other sports. And so that was the hardest thing for me to commit to and, you know, move to Baton Rouge 12 hours away from home to give it a shot essentially and see what I can do, see how far I can go. And, you know, the U S women's hammer and the men's is super competitive. Unfortunately, if I was in another country, my success would be number one and, and realizing that I'm in a, in a country that's super, super competitive. I've come from 53 meters, my freshman year, seeing the top three in the U S as pros thinking I'll never get there. Like that's amazing. That's crazy. And, you know, just this year, I think maybe top eight, if I remember correctly, all time in the U.S., like 
that's huge and being ranked like fourth in the world right now for this year's marks like it's like I'm super grateful and it's like of course I knew I'm athletic I'm competitive if I work hard I'll get there but just actually seeing it on paper and like realizing that I'm here I'm in the mix I'm like one of the possible greatest like it's that's crazy (laughs) so probably myself because a lot of people has been like oh like you're great you're amazing like you should continue and give it a shot but I think I just had to work through it and see it for myself to make it come to life. So <laughs> it sounds like we got to add Nellie's I am number one to that playlist <laughs> in the beginning of your, before you go out for a meet, I think we got to add okay. that one, Janae. It fits you. It feel, it's feeling like it's going to fit you. I'm so excited for you. I absolutely love yeah. that though. Proving yourself wrong in the moments. Cause I mean, even no matter how confident you are, we all have moments of doubt and we all have moments of, can I really do this? Right. Is this something I really can do? And, you know, I think the moment when you prove yourself, not only can you do this, but you can do this, this, that, and the next, right? Not only can you be top eight, but you can actually win this whole thing. Um, And I think that that's what really adds a level of confidence and allows us to continue to move forward and break those barriers. Yeah, of course. (laughs) On to Melanated and Celebrated, where... I am celebrating all of these amazing women who have melanin in their skin and are just day by day winning. Janae, an Olympic hopeful, first and foremost, how did you even get started throwing the hammer? Was this something you always wanted to do? Absolutely not. I did not (laughs) know what the hammer was or what it even looked like until my freshman year, my first day of practice. And my coach, I got recruited for shot and disc and put the other favorite sports on the line just with how that all worked out. My dream was to go to culinary school and that's what I had in mind. That didn't work out. So last minute I was like, well, it's gotta be track. I gotta go to college for free. <laughs> so it worked out that way. And then I made it to K-State and dropped shot and disc. My coach now said, you're just going to be a hammer thrower and you're going to throw the weight, which was indoor heavy. And it turned out <laughs> it picked me. I did not pick it. It's funny how life goes that way. Yeah, we're best <laughs> friends now, me and the hammer. That's it. <laughs> and I, one of my favorite quotes is, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah. <laughs> and then look at you now. You did, The hammer picked you, and now you are from culinary school to the Olympics. I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's, that's a wild difference. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, one day, but not right now. It's still gold, but not right now. Gold medals while making food sounds really cool to me. So I'm hoping that that's (laughs) what's coming next. Okay, quick question. So with the hammer, how heavy is it? The competition ball is four kilograms, the same as a women's shot put. It's just on a long wire that's in a handle. So like the total length is about 119 centimeters. So in pounds, it's close to nine pounds. And then I train anywhere as heavy to a nine kilogram or 10 kilogram hammer, which is a little over 20 pounds. And as light as like a two, ki- a two kilogram, which is around four pounds. So both sides of the spectrum and everything in between is what I train with. Goodness. How do you, do you progressively move up? Like, do you start with the lighter one or when you're training, how does an Olympic hopeful train with the hammer throw? Right now I'm on like a a three day different cycle where I do comp ball and light ball and then a heavy day and then like an in-between day. And then I cycle through those three days, but normally you always work light and heavy. You're never just on one ball the entire day. 
and that runs for like three months. And then I switched to set, which is just a light ball to work on power and speed. But those heavy balls, as heavy as they are, they do a lot of work technique wise for the comp ball. We don't like heavy day, but that's the the ball that likes me the most. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Making friends with sometimes the enemies, right? Keep your enemies closer, but you, you grow to love it. You grow to love the heavy ball. When you are training, I mean, I've seen you throw, I've seen what it looks like, the spinning, the accuracy. How do you become so accurate in the timing and knowing when to release when you are working with such a heavy ball? A lot of practice. Okay. Everyone asked me, like, <laughs> you don't get dizzy. How do you know when to release? Like, how are you not falling over? And the first day of practice, probably for a week, I just did. And this was eight years ago. I just did turns. I spun down a line like 25 times. And then I didn't even touch a hammer until like the second week. And then learned step by step, winds, turns. Probably my second year in is when I really started changing weight of implements. But first year I just learned technique and then I was a three turner. I just did three turns in the circle. And if I go back and watch those videos, it is rough. And I'm like, that's what I looked like. Oh no. <laughs> so my progression has been huge because I was never always perfect or I'm not even perfect now, but the technique and the power and the movements has definitely progressed year by year. And so that's great to see. And I'll even probably change from how I looked this week and in two, three months, I'll fix so many different cues and those change all the time. So it's really just practice. And then we do a lot of special, special strength after um, I do a lift, which really helps with technique and power and, and specific movements to the hammer. So what's special strength? Uh, special strength is just for the hammer movement itself. It's either like pud releases with one hand or barbell turns, 15 turns down a line. Those so just a straight lines. Yeah. With a 45 barbell and you're just spinning and spinning and just like making sure you're getting the cues and the throw, like pushing instead of pulling. Cause that's, that's huge technical cue and things like that with special strength, kettlebells, sledgehammers, anything turn, wind, release movements is the death. I call it death by specials because they are rough. They're heavy and it's the last part of your workout, but they are beneficial in the end, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but yes. I know it's like the hardest workouts is what makes you see the better. You dread it, but you know, after you're going to feel so good. You just feel yeah. that much better. I've okay. asked my coach every single year, can I not do specials anymore? Can you take them out of my workout? I don't like them. I don't want to do them, but they're still on there. So <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> Okay. So how, but I know you say you get asked this a lot, not getting dizzy. I'm just envisioning you on a line, just spinning and spinning. Mm -hmm. I would be out by maybe the eighth spin. How many spins is that going down the line? Yeah. So if you have a line and a, and a barbell and you like slowly, when you get the rhythm down, you're increasing speed. And so you just spin 15 times and I have 10 sets of 15. So math, 150 spins total. <laughs> Well, that was quick math. Yeah. <laughs> On top of, I know, smart. <laughs> Add the zero to the end. Um, I love that. And then on top of my about 30 throws in practice, it's a lot of spinning in a day, but which is crazy because I get most car sickness and like motion sickness when flying is really bad, but I don't get dizzy when I spin. That's crazy. Ah, 
So you get caught, you have motion sickness, Bad, yeah. but you don't get sick spinning 30 times a day or more to throw the hammer. No, not anymore. Probably just on the first and second day I ever learned, but not anymore. No. Do you have a funny story in regarding to the spinning? It is. I mean, I feel like there has to be a moment where like something you just like crashed and burned or were you always just, you always had it? No, I feel like I've gotten it. The barbells are really hard because sometimes it's hard to stop when you're going so fast. That's probably the hardest thing. So if I've like dropped something or just let go and it flew or like I tripped and, and fell, that's probably just the only moment. But half the time I'm by myself when it happens. So I'm just like, all right, no one saw me. We're good. <laughs> But other than that, nothing, nothing too crazy. What does it feel like when you know you had a great throw? When it felt good, the release was on time. What does it feel like for you? It feels really good. And that's the hardest part for me is every part of the hammer, there's like, it's a, it's a point. And I know I either got it or I didn't, but what's important is to finish it and at least get it in three and four in the final. So if I know, oh man, I missed the entry, but okay, I got it back in two. I got a little tension three and I like slung the final or something. I know for the most part in those positions, if it's going to be a good throw or not. And I think that's the hugest part for me is getting it all the way in every single part. And that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I get it sometimes in practice, but in the competition, it's really hard because you only have six throws. I know when that moment happens, I'm not screaming person. I'm not like... A lot of throwers will yell at the ball and be like, come on, like all these crazy things. And I'm just like, I'll wait for it to land. And then I'll do like a clap or like, yes, but I'm not a huge like ah, person. <laughs> and so like, I know a feeling or I'll listen to my coach and I'll be like, oh, there you go. Like, good job. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was a good throw. But I think for me, it's just really trying to focus in the throw. If I get every part of the throw correct or not knowing like the release is good but I don't have like a huge celebration to it but it's it's a good feeling I'm just like awaiting the mark kind of thing but I'm I'm still waiting on a like a really good throw it hasn't hasn't happened yet really yeah you haven't gotten the no. feeling of like oh that was the best you haven't had that yet I've had a lot of PRs and really good throws with balls but like in a competition I think because with the time off, like a year not competing and it's still being early in the season, I haven't put it together in a comp yet. And it's frustrating, but I also know like it takes time and like I will get that throw. But it's good to know that the throws I'm having now that are still really good are still coming with eh, technique. So that's really like something to look forward to and work towards getting that one. And hopefully it comes in the trials, <laughs> getting that one throw that's just like, yes, like. I've been waiting for this. That was really good. So, <laughs> yeah. In softball, and, you know, I think a lot of sports, they speak to peaking at the right time. Is that kind of the same feel that is with hammer throw, wanting and hoping to peak at the right time? Yeah, wanting to peak at the right time, but also kind of how I spoke on earlier, building your base to a level that's really high. And so last year, my base was probably around... 70, 72 in practice. And I was competing at a 73 level, excuse me, 2019. And so this year I'm working to get the practice base higher so that my competition base will be higher essentially. So that I know if I go into a meet and I'm not feeling good, the hammer's not connecting as, as well, that I know I can still put together a good throw because every 
day is not the same feelings. What's working yesterday didn't work today. And so I think that is the hugest part is just figuring out how I can put a throw together. And then that big throw will come at the right time. Like my coach trains me, my programs are in line to be good at this moment, but I can't like just fully expect those results to come. Like I have to put it together too. And so we're working for the trials, but my season of course could run all the way until September. So it's important to really just commit to it being long and getting through those bad days and, and knowing that when a competition comes, I'm ready. I'm ready to compete. Ready, ready to go. (laughs) Wait, I remember earlier in our conversation when you, let's say you didn't have a good throw. Did you say you hit a car or you almost hit a car? I've damaged a lot of things (gasps) in throwing. What was like the most expensive thing you damaged? Yeah, it was probably a brand new truck that one of the car dealerships had at the hammer circle after like game day. And I think my coach had told them like, and granted it was over a fence out of the sector in the parking lot, but (laughs) I was throwing light ball and I flinged it over our cage over the fence and on the bounce it put a a good little pretty hole in the door like all the way through it just a a good dent yeah (laughs) and so my coach had to make that call and I don't know who paid for it (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) and the car was gone the next day (laughs) oh watch hide your cars hide your stuff (laughs) and I think a lot of people have experienced that in competitions with cars like you don't want your cars around any hammer fields for sure hit a lot of cable lines so I'm sorry if I knocked your power out <laughs> I just <laughs> need a better field with nothing in the distance <laughs> yeah. no it's okay softball is the same thing like we're like I don't know if you should park there I'm like okay <laughs> a little close to each its yeah. own Janae I want to ask you from all of your success and all of the things that you've been able to do accomplish so much as you've learned about yourself and your heritage and all that you've really just become to love and become passionate about being native. What are you most proud of? I would like to think that I'm most proud of just being a, a cast avoid. Cause that's kind of just who really like my dad who passed, like that's just really kind of who grounded me and who made me who I am and being native, like bringing me into this life is just something that I'm super, super proud of and hope and believe that I'm making him proud. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I would say that, you 100% are making him proud. I think that, well, why I'm so proud. So I know your dad is and everything that you're doing. You are just a shining light. You can just feel your energy oh. from over here and everything that you're doing. It truly, it is amazing to witness, honestly. I want to know from also what you're proud of, everything that we spoke to earlier too. What is your, I wish I knew then what I know now? Probably just life. I feel like I had to grow up really fast. And even then being a student athlete, recognizing, oh, like you get a lot of financial help and then being a pro in this, this sport specifically is not the same. And so I think just really knowing how to navigate this life and like supporting myself and like budgeting and don't learn, you learn it in high school, but you don't really learn it until you have to do it. And I think that's the biggest, biggest thing for me, but we're doing it. We're, we're adulting. <laughs> But probably the biggest thing, because what came with that is realizing how right my mom is and has been and always will be. And it's so gut wrenching to admit, but my mom has always been like 
the one person I call five times a day because she just has all the right answers. Or I just want to tell her, or ask her questions, but, um, realizing at a young age when you're going through all these things in life and in high school, especially with all the drama and you think, you know, everything in the world and like realizing like your mom's probably right. And she knows what's best for you. And if she says a friend is not really a good friend, she's probably right. And it hurts to hear, but like, I just appreciate her so much and all that she's done for me. And she's great. So I would tell all the little young kids out there going through whatever, like just listen to your parents because nine, nine times out of 10, they're right. Isn't that crazy? Moms are always right. They always, and they always recognize like the fake friends before you do. Like they always just see through it. Also, if ever I lost something, I just stopped looking for it and just ask my mom because she would find it in like 0.3 seconds. I would have spent the whole day looking for it. And that was it. My mom even made a sticker and put it in my room. It's like, if you can't figure it out, do what your mom told you to do the first time. Really? <laughs> oh, I need that sticker. <laughs> That's funny. But yep. You're right. You're right, mom. Janae, thank you so much for joining me today on Barry Breaking Women. You are 100% a pure and a perfect example of a Barry Breaking Woman. And I want to leave us with this quote today. There are no limits in this world except for the ones that we place on ourselves. We truly are limitless in our goals and our beliefs as long as we don't put a limit to those goals and beliefs. And Janae, I think that you are a perfect example of that. Culinary school is still on the horizon, but we're going to go win that Olympic medal first. So excited to hear everything that and see everything that you're doing. Continue to represent for the Comanche Native Tribe. And I want to know where all the guests can find you on your social or anything that you want to promote a little bit. Tell me. So my Twitter is JanaeNay24, Instagram, Rock. And TikTok, Nathos Heavy Rock. For anyone that has anything for me to represent or support any brands, I am under no contract, under no sponsor. So any and all opportunities welcome. And I would be more than happy to connect with anyone wanting to connect with me and my sport or life or anything on that level. Y'all heard that. <laughs> Bet on women, invest in women, and make sure you get at Janae, okay? Janae throws heavy rock. No one's doing it like she does, period, <laughs> point blank. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys go ahead and follow me on social, AJ underscore Andrews underscore. And also make sure you subscribe, download, rate, and comment. And just call out Fairy Breaking Women Podcast. And I will catch all of you BBW Barrier Breaking Women later. Keep mellowing in your melanin. Bye.